in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 4, starting from verse 23 to the end of the chapter. After the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ, he went to his hometown uh, to Capernaum and then he went actually to uh, Nazareth. Nazareth, that is the city where he grew up. His mother, St. Mary, and Joseph the carpenter were living in Nazareth. Then when he entered the synagogue, they gave him the Bible to read. So he read from Isaiah about the Messiah. The verses that says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Everybody knows in Israel that these verses are about the Messiah. And the Lord, after he finished reading, he made a comment, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, which means he was saying, I am the Messiah. So the people were surprised because he, he is from a poor family. And that actually, verse 22, they said, is this not Joseph's son? That is the son of Joseph. He is from this poor family. Do we expect the Messiah to come from a poor family and from Galilee? Because Galilee has a bad reputation among the Israelites. I'm sure you remember the story of Nathaniel when Philip told him, uh, we have we has found the Messiah, we have found the Messiah. So he told him, from Nazareth, anything good would come. So people suspected and doubted that he is the Messiah. The Lord knew what was going on in their hearts, because he is God. So he told them in verse 23, he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. So, <clears throat> Christ here tells those of Nazareth what was in their hearts. In their hearts, they despised him because of the poverty of his parents. And it challenged him to confirm his doctrine by miracles. They told him, as you did in Capernaum, do here, urging that Nazareth was also his hometown. This is your hometown, so perform miracles here if you want us to believe that you are the Messiah. And they told him, usually the physicians, uh, 
in first place, they cure themselves, they take care of their health, their friends, their families, their neighborhood, before going and curing strangers. So they challenged him to work some miracles as he had done before in Capernaum. So now the Lord started to give them the reason why he did not do any miracles among them. And he quote a proverb well known to all people. This proverb that no one, no prophet is accepted is in his own country. So the master was evidently looking far beyond the little prejudice in Nazareth. So he did not say a prophet is not accepted in his own town, but he said in the country. As if in, in a prophetic way, he is saying, all Israel will reject me, not only Nazareth. He came to his own, but his own did not accept him. So his own country meant far more than the narrow circuit of Nazareth, this small town. So the Lord here is referring to all the chosen people of the Old Testament, to all the Jews who as a nation, he knew very well that they will not accept him. I have a question. When you say a proverb, it was a proverb, is that like an old tale that has been told? Yes, it's common saying okay. among the people they know. Okay, they already knew the same. Yeah. As we say, uh, in Arabic, you know, so not from the book of Proverbs, yeah. but a common saying very known to all the people. Okay. Uh, but if Israel would reject him, then he will go to the unnumbered multitude of the Gentiles. And in support of this assertion that the Israel will reject him, but the Gentiles will accept him, he actually gave two well-known incidents from the Old Testament. And all of them, they knew these two stories. The first story in in verse 25 but I tell you truly many widows were in Israel among the chosen people of God in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land but to none of them was Elijah sent so Elijah did not go to any widow among the chosen people of God, Israel, except to Zerfath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And Sidon is Gentile. She was not a Jewish. Gentiles mean, by the way, non-Jewish person. So Israel divided the people into Jewish 
people and non-Jewish. Non-Jewish are the Gentiles. That's the first example. And, and the prophetic meaning of this, that people will reject the Messiah and the Messiah will go to the Gentiles. The second example, verse 27. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophets, or Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. And again, he was Syrian, means he was a Gentile, not a Jewish. When the Lord said this, they became enraged, as we read in verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. How he dared to tell them that the Messiah will go to the Gentiles instead of the chosen people of Israel. Uh, but the Lord here wants to teach them that the mercies of God, even in the Old Testament, were not limited to Israel only. There were many starving widows among Israel, but the great prophet Elijah was sent to none of them, but to a despised Venetian woman uh, by the border of Sidon. Elisha, the same, that that loved man of God who passed by the homes of the people continually when he performed his famous miracle of healing from leprosy no this miracle was not done to any person in Israel but on the Syrian leper Naaman who was actually one of the greatest enemies of Israel So, those of Nazareth, they, they, they thought that they are good enough that the Lord Jesus Christ should perform miracles in their city as he did in Capernaum. And they have the right, because Jesus grew up in Nazareth, so they are entitled to these miracles and they have the right that he should perform miracles in their own town. But God, we should know, God is sovereign in his acts of grace. He acts freely and the Lord can do no miracles but where he will have them done. Many people say, even nowadays, why God cured this person but not me? Why God did miracle to this person but not me? We cannot question God. It is based on his economy, based on his wealth. Also, he is telling them that his work 
is not or the miracles will not be for their special benefit or glorification. And the Lord never did a miracle to privilege people. Any miracle had a spiritual goal. He did not just perform a miracle, but any miracle he did was for a spiritual goal. And he came to the whole world, not only to Israel. So he wants to tell them that my incarnation is far beyond the limitation of earthly relationships. In any nation and in every nation, he who fears God and done righteousness is accepted to me. So God has no partiality or no respect to this country or that country. He came to the whole world. He sent Elijah to do good to a Sidonian and Elisha to do good to a Syrian. While actually he did not do anything to the ungrateful and disobedient people of Israel. And he is hinting clearly that because of their unbelief, because of their rejection, because of their disobedience, because they doubted him and said, is this not the son of Joseph? So God would send his gospel to the Gentiles. And those who reject him, he cannot preach the gospel to them. And this actually what happened in the first years of the ministry of the apostles, the gospel was preached to the whole world. But all these words were not comforting in their ears, in the ears of the people of Nazareth. So they became very angry, unhappy. Jesus, who grew among them and lived among them more than 30 years, they had seen him growing up, increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor before God and men. And actually, they had the first fruit of his ministry. He started after the temptation on the mountain. He went to Nazareth to serve there and to preach there. And also, they bore witness about him and they wondered at the gracious word that proceeded from his mouth as we read in the same chapter, chapter 4, from the Gospel of St. Luke, verse 22. Also, they knew his education. He was very simple, a son of carpenter. So, this wisdom and knowledge did not come from any earthly teacher. But definitely this wisdom and knowledge came from heaven. So how they doubted him. And when the Lord hinted that because of their rejection, God will offer grace to the Gentiles, 
this actually enraged him, enraged them. To the extent they wanted to kill him, as we read in verse 29, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. Nazareth was built on the top of a mountain. So actually they drew him to the uh, edge of this hill to throw him from above the hill that they might throw him down over the cliff then passing through the midst of them he went his way so they tried to kill him uh, because he hinted that the grace of God will be offered to the Gentiles and also probably they judged him as false prophet because he refused to perform any miracle among them but when they attempted to kill him he miraculously passed through the crowd and went away and he did a miracle actually but because of the hardness of their heart they did not believe so they wanted Jesus to perform a miracle for them but his disappearing from them was the only miracle they would ever see Sincere of Alexandria and by the way this morning we celebrated uh, his feast the Sincere of Alexandria he said Christ passing through the midst of them and went away went his way was not because he was afraid from suffering but because his hour was not yet come still there is work he has to to do before he dies on the cross but what happened in in Nazareth is a foreshadowing of the whole future of his ministry the opposition, the rejection how people want to kill him at, at first the Jews and Israelites were gladly received his healing his miracle, his teaching but then opposition started to grow and he started to be rejected by his own people until at the end they put him to death on the cross verse 31 then he went down to Capernaum a city of Galilee and was teaching them on the Sabbath and they were astonished at his teaching for his word was with authority went down from Nazareth as I told you, Nazareth was a city upon a hill. So he went down from this hill to Capernaum, which was situated on the seashore, the Sea of Galilee. When he came there, he kept his course as usual, going to the synagogue every Sabbath to pray and also to preach on the Sabbath so it appeared that he preached every sabbath in the synagogue 
and the people were astonished at his teaching. Let's notice that astonishment is one thing and believing is another. Men may be some ways or to some degree affected at the word of God. That, but this is not enough for them to believe as the people of Capernaum. So, astonishment because of the gravity and spirituality of his doctrine. Because of his majesty and the energy in delivering the word of God. Because of the power of God that was going along with the word and convicting the sinner. The Lord actually assumed the manner of a new lawgiver. He was not like the Pharisees and the scribes in their teaching. He uttered all his doctrine and his words were anointed by the Holy Spirit. That's why his teaching was so powerful. And he confirmed his teaching by powerful miraculous works such as casting out demons and healing diseases. After St. Luke gave us a general picture of Jesus' life and work in Capernaum, St. Luke proceeded to give us a detailed account of the way in which one Sabbath was spent as an example of the ordinary Sabbath work of the Master. So after he gave a general idea, he gave us how one Sabbath was spent in, in the life of Jesus Christ as a pattern to the remaining of the other Sabbath. So in verse 33, in Sabbath he goes to the synagogue to preach. And after he preached, now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed, spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. So, as soon as the devil saw Jesus, he became scared of his power. And the demon expected that he will be dispossessed. So he cried in a great terror, let us alone. They had nothing to do with Christ, so they told him, let us alone. Because he is the savior and they, they don't want salvation. 
they had no interest in him nor in his redemption but the Lord Jesus Christ had something to do with them to exercise his power over them and to deliver human being out of their hands so the demon here feared what followed and that he should be cast out it's strange that just the presence of God caused pain to the demons it's exactly like how the wounded eye cannot bear the light and the demon actually bore a correct testimony about the Lord Jesus Christ he told him I know who you are the Holy One of God so many glorious testimonies to our Lord were given by demons as we know with no good will so this good good testimony did not come from a good will but in hope if the Lord accepted this testimony he might appear to the people to be in union with evil spirits so this was a lie to tell the people that Jesus Christ is in union with the evil spirit but the demons were trying to persuade the people and to throw this lie against him that's why wherever in the gospel when we see the demons are making a good confession and a true testimony about the Lord Jesus Christ neither Christ nor his apostles would ever take any notice of it it happened with St. Paul when uh, this young girl was possessed with demon and she bore testimony to St. Paul and he rebuked the, the demon so we cannot expect uh, accept even a true testimony from the demon because he is a liar truth is never advantage from the confession of non-liar and the devil is is known as a liar from the very beginning unfortunately nowadays some people who claim that they cast out demons they try to hold conversation with the demon and get some confessions and testimony and they become happy with the testimony of the devil and I wonder is this a true exorcism or not because the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles never accepted never ever accepted any testimony from the devil even if it's true testimony because Christ did not need the devil's testimony 
He doesn't want the devil to testify to his holiness or he is the son of God. Also, the Lord was not deceived by the good words of the demon. He was determined to make no peace with the demon, but to destroy him and his works. That's why the Lord charged the demon to be quiet and come out. It was necessary for our Lord Jesus Christ to assert his absolute power over the evil spirits and to show that he had nothing to do with them. Especially later on in his ministry, he was accused that he is casting out demons by Baal the Boob, the prince of the demons. That's why from very beginning he wanted to declare his absolute authority over them and he had nothing to do with them. Also, Satan told him, I know you who are the Holy One of God. But the time was not yet arrived when Christ was to be publicly proclaimed as the Son of God. This great truth was to be gradually unfolded and the people to be prepared to be persuaded by this truth through the teaching and the miracles. So, the people who previously recognized the authority of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, now they are recognizing the authority, his authority over the unclean spirits. And as we read in verse 37, And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So actually, news of his words and his works spread throughout, not only in Capernaum, but his fame was spread throughout the region around Galilee. And as we know from Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, it was not only limited to Galilee, but to the country that was bordering with Galilee, which is Syria. So his fame went to Syria across the border. As I told you, St. Luke wanted to tell us one day, one Sabbath, how he spent. So he started by synagogue, preaching, then he performed miracles. Then he went, as we read in verse 38, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. 
St. John Chrysostom said, for what intent did he go into Peter's house? It seems, according to St. John Chrysostom, it seems to me to take food. So after he spent the time in the synagogue and he healed the people after preaching them, so he went to get some rest and to eat, according to St. John Chrysostom, this at least is declared when it is said she arose and ministered unto him. So the fact the Bible mentioned she arose and ministered unto them, unto him means she served them food. And we see here a different style of healing. The Lord sometimes he healed by a word as the centurion servant or by a touch as in this miracle or sometimes by both by a word and a touch as in the case of the leper this fever was not just ordinary fever cured by any ordinary means but it was a high fever so the miracle here is not only the cure of an incurable disease but also in the way of the cure by a touch of his hand lifting her up and the suddenness of the cure immediately the fever left her her sudden recovery also of strength he became she became energetic uh, that she could actually arise and minister to them. So as Jesus rebuked the demon in the synagogue, here he is rebuking the sickness and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. So why the people wait, waited until sunset? And they, when they brought all these sick people, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many crying out and saying you are the Christ the son of God and again and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak for they knew that he was the Christ so the healing of the possessed in the synagogue that morning followed by the cure of the fever of Peter's mother-in-law was rapidly spread throughout the whole area so everyone wanted to bring the sick people to him but why at evening this day was what the sabbath and no work was to be done on the sabbath including healing according to the pharisees so the Pharisees forbade people to come for healing on Sabbath. As we read in the same chapter, in the same gospel, Luke chapter 6, 
from verse 6 to 11. So in accordance with these restrictions, many of the people did not bring their sick to Jesus until the Sabbath was ended at the sunset. Because the beginning of the day was at sunset. So at the sunset, actually, the next day began. So they start bringing all the sick people. And here the Lord laying his hands upon those, he healed them and he cast out demons. This actually demonstrates the active power of the Holy Spirit uh, through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ offered his physical healing and spiritual healing. He purified both body and soul. And notice here how healing and exorcism of demons are together. As he did in the synagogue, he healed the man and rebuked the Satan and silenced the, the demon. And there is a stress here about everyone. Verse 40, he laid his hand on every one of them. Every one of them means the act of healing are not limited to the privileged, but he embraced every single one. None were so ill as to beyond his power. He was able to cure all, and no kind of disease was too great for him to heal and subdue. So, that is how the day ended. Then early in the morning, as we read in verse 42, now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place to pray, to have some time in seclusion or solitude with the Father. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee, not only in Capernaum. So in the morning he departed from Capernaum and from Peter's house and went into a deserted place for the sake of solitude, that he might be retired from the multitude and have opportunity of private time with the Father. But the wish of the people was that he may remain in Capernaum and abide with them constantly, not to leave us, stay with us. And perhaps this was not so much from love to the person of Christ, or any regard to his ministry, or the good and welfare of their immortal soul, but probably because of the miracles he did, and the substantial benefits he bestowed on them. 
So that's why they wanted him to stay. At the Lord one time, he told them, you are seeking me, not because you saw miracles and you believed that I am the son of God, but because you ate from the food and you were filled. So he explained to them that his mission is not just to perform a miracle. His main mission was to proclaim the gospel. And proclaiming the gospel is not limited only to them. To proclaim the kingdom of God was the Messiah's great work. Miracles, healing the diseases of the people, were only actually symbolic and secondary work. Work to prove his goodness and to demonstrate his authority to preach the gospel, that he is the Messiah, and to open the kingdom of heaven to all the believers. But clearly, this crowd did not yet understand his mission. And they were only interested in securing the gift of healing for themselves. They have not come to the realization that uh, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ means to totally re-establish their lives around him and around the message of the gospel to repent all sins and to become part of the kingdom of God. They did not understand this but their focus they want him to stay with them just because uh, they want to benefit from the miracles he was doing. And here actually we can see how the Lord was able to set boundary. When they told him, stay with us, don't leave, he, he, his mission was very clear to him. And he told them, no, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities, because for this purpose I have been sent. Some people try to manipulate the servants or the clergy and make them feel guilty but here the Lord Jesus Christ was able to say, no, I have a mission, mission from the Father. And I came here as the Messiah to preach the kingdom of God to everybody. I cannot stay with you. I have to do my work for which actually I became man and I was sent to this world. This ends actually our Bible study tonight uh, and ended chapter 4. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.